My guest today is one of the first podcasters with over a decade of experience sharing insightful and practical information from topics on networking, communications, body language, and social dynamics, to nowadays interviewing brilliant and interesting minds to discover and dissect what makes people the best of the best, the best of what they do. His name is Jordan Harbinger, and he's the host of the iTunes top podcast, The Jordan Harbinger Show. The value he shares reaches out to over 6 million people a month because of the effective way he and his team help their listeners become critical thinkers and to truly understand what they can do to improve an aspect of their life. I'd like to send my thanks out to all those who helped fundraise money for Ava's Kitchen so this podcast interview could happen. I'd also like to recommend checking out jordanharbinger.com and read more about Jordan on his about page where you can read more about his experiences, including how he spent several years abroad and worked for various governments and NGOs overseas and traveled through war zones and was even kidnapped twice. It's got quite a cool story. Also, remember to learn more about this podcast. Check out the short episode, The Purpose of Ebb and Flow, where I clarify what it means. And so you can discern why any guest or topic on the show has something to share with us to live in our state of flow. Enjoy. Well, thanks again for joining me and coming on the podcast. And yeah, I love, love being able to fundraise for Ava's Kitchen. It's, it's fundraising isn't something I really have experience with. So it, it was. I think it's a very cool and innovative way to to get um, to have people to go on people's shows. Well, I like to do stuff for charity, but. But I also realized, oh, okay, there's probably a way that I can do something other than just straight up cutting a check and like blend it in with things that I already like to do. So this was a good fit. So I appreciate it. Yeah, it's cool. We always do that every year. I mean, we pick different charities, but Ava's Kitchen is a good one because obviously, I mean, who can't get behind kids with cancer? Not a whole lot of people are going to be like, right? Like that's a pretty friendly, apolitical mm-hmm. cause that I think even like a total bastard could get behind. So here we are. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think really to start, I'd love to, to get a background and you know, you can, you've been on so many different interviews and been podcasting, you know, since the early 2000s. So on side note, it's really awesome to be able to speak with you in that sense. Um, you have such an intriguing background. And like I said, you've been on podcasts I listened to from the London Real to the Model Health Show to Ben Greenfield and so on. And you have your own background as well with the art of charm. Could you walk through kind of what it, all of that and what led to, you know, the law school background to then going overseas and your interest in the body language? And that led to the art of charm and what you took all of that, what you took from all of that and what, you know, valuable lessons, because in those interviews, I loved the approach that you speak about with the different clients that you had and how that all culminated into the Jordan Harbinger show, which, which I'll get to later. What about it that I really also appreciate and have more questions on? Sure. So for me, I started off in law school and I was planning on becoming a corporate lawyer and it wasn't something I was excited about at all. It was like just a 
thing that I was doing and I needed a job at Best Buy when I graduated from undergrad and it was really hard and I was like going to be selling CDs with this guy's little brother who I knew who was like 17 and didn't even finish high school yet. And I was like, how am I going to be like underneath this guy? This doesn't make any sense. I have a four-year degree, speak multiple languages. Like this is bull crap. So I, I decided I'm, I'm just going to keep getting more education. So I went to law school and it really wasn't for me, man. You know, I got an internship at a really good Wall Street law firm, but a lot of the people were really smart. Of course, they were really hardworking. I was also hardworking, but these people were able we were working seven days a week, 16 hours a day. I mean, that's, that, that was really the beginning and the end of it. And I thought, how am I ever going to get ahead? You know, they're eventually going to let me go. I, 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 all these, all these folks are so sharp. I'm never going to be able to stand out, which now we know is kind of just classic imposter syndrome. And I decided to continue to push forward, but I talked to one of the partners at the firm and I said, Hey, you know, how come some of the partners are younger? You're never in the office. Are you working from home? What's going on? And my plan was originally to just work from home for as much as I could so that I would have a longer runway before they figured out I was like an idiot and fired me, basically. And he told me, no, you know, I work from home sometimes, but I'm actually generating business for the firm. And so if you generate business for the firm, they'll make you a partner pretty quick and they'll never let you go because everybody needs business for the firm. And I said, okay, cool. How do I generate business for the firm? And he goes, ah, you know, just be cool, man. You know, get to know as many people as you can work your network and your connections. And I thought, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, man. You know, he grew up in Brooklyn. He went to a fancy Brooklyn private school. He knew a lot of local people that went on to become investment bankers and things like that. And I just thought, what on earth are you talking about with this work, your connections, what connections be cool. If I could have done that, my life would have had a different trajectory. Be cool. That's the worst advice I've ever heard. It's like, be taller, you know, might as well tell me that. So yeah, be healthier, be taller. Uh, turn your eyes brown instead of blue. I mean, it was just as far-fetched. It was like science fiction to, to have that kind of advice come in. And so I just thought, what are you talking about? So I started to learn about networking, taking classes and things like that. And I was in like these Dale Carnegie classes where they're like, look him in the eye and have a firm handshake. You know, it's not bad advice, but I thought, okay, if I'm not getting a million dollar legal contract from Goldman Sachs for my law firm, is it because of my handshake? Is it because of my eye contact? Is it because it's not a firm enough handshake? Come on. No, there's something else going on here. It's because these people do not like you. And I'm not going to learn the nuances of what it is that makes someone know, like, and trust you from a guy in a sweater vest teaching a class on Tuesday evenings at the YMCA, right? Like, it's just not going to happen. So I decided to go to, to grassroots, go down to basics. And what I was studying was psychology, body language, influence, persuasion. And that was the basis for what I started to teach at law school. I started teaching networking and relationships and nobody cared. There was a small group of women that cared because women were really interested in learning how to navigate the boys club that is Wall Street and and networking and things like that. The guys though were less interested. So I started teaching class to a bunch of women, female lawyers, like incoming lawyers. It's like early 2000s, like 2004, 2005. So then, um, we, we kept going to the room where the class is supposed to be and the door was locked all the time. And I was like, to hell with this. It's hot in here. It's like summer, spring term, whatever. Let's go do this at a bar. The bars are open at four, but they're pretty empty in certain parts of town in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Let's just go do that there. We'll have a drink, whatever. So I started to go with a group of eight, 10, 20 women every day, pretty much different Quite ones. A bit. 
to the bar. Yeah. And I was going all the time and having these conversations and talking and they were really interested. And then eventually guys would take notice. They would go, Hey, um, I see you all the time. And you're with like eight, 10, 20 women, different women every day. What are you doing? And I would say, yeah, I'm teaching a networking class. And they're like, oh, a networking class. Well, I want to take that networking class. I need to network right now with some of these women that you're teaching. So they started to tag along and they would learn body language and networking and, and things like that, persuasion, influence. And then it started to become more like a dating thing because the men and the women would start talking about relationships and we'd start reading the body language on other people and couples in the bar or the restaurant where we were. So it just became more and more and more like dating related. And I started to record my talks or my teaching moments, if you will, to, on CDs and hand out the CDs to people who said, hey, tell me about what it is that you're doing. Uh, you know, and I'd say, oh, I just had this conversation yesterday or I talked about this last week. Here's a CD with like two hours, three hours of stuff on it. Go listen to this and come back and you'll be kind of caught up on the basics. And these guys were sharing the CDs and they were selling the CDs and they were passing the CDs around. And then I realized, you know, I'm going to run out of CDs, but also this, there's something here. There's something interesting here. So I started to teach these courses, but also pass out these CDs until finally I was like so sick of the CD thing. Somebody said, hey, what about this new thing called podcasting? It's brand new, 2006 at the time. You can put an MP3 sound file up on the internet. People can grab it through iTunes, synchronize it with their iPod if they have one, or play it on their computer. And I thought, that's perfect. So I got a server from GoDaddy or something like that, a shared server, and I put this thing up, and we were getting downloads from all over the world. And I thought, how are these people finding it? Like, I know how people in Ann Arbor are finding it. I'm telling them. But how is there a guy in... Gauteng, South Africa, downloading this? You know, who's the person in Czech Republic downloading this? Like, what's going on here? So that's when we knew. The guy in Soviet Russia that now is going to make that art for you. That's right. That's right. The art we were talking about before the show. So, like, I thought there's something here. What is it that I'm going to be able to do with it? I don't know, but I enjoy it. And there's really something special mm. when people are writing in from all over the world. And that was my beginning of podcasting. And I really fell in love with it pretty quick. Um, before we continue with that, the, you mentioned in also kind of interviews, how you grew up, you're kind of shy in a sense. And what, and when you started to make the transition and learning about the different psychology and social influence and the body, body language, how did you kind of build the practical steps of the character traits to then even start co even start teaching you know, the 18 women, because that's kind of a big, um, that jump, like that's a big confidence kind of. Yeah. What happened was I was reading books on psychology, persuasion and influence. And I was going out every night kind of alone to test things. And then I would start talking with people and making friends and getting to know different folks. And they would be like, Oh, okay, you're learning. And I would be really forthright. Yeah. I'm learning networking skills, persuasion, influence, things like that. And they go, Oh, I want to learn that. And I'd say, well, show up tomorrow and I'll talk, I'll teach you what I know and you can practice with me or whatever uh, on the people at the bar. And I sort of had this little gaggle of people that would come and hang out every now and again, every Monday through Friday, whatever it was. So that was kind of an interesting setup for me because I built this little following over time and that I never was like, I'm going to be a coach. It yeah. was more like, you know, that just sort of happened to me because I was learning it myself. And that really got me to, that got me going places. Really. It did because I started to realize that there were 
so many different things that I could learn, but I would learn much more nuanced things when I tried to teach and correct somebody else's issues, not just my own. So for me, it became almost like a self-serving, it was a self-serving exercise to teach other people because I started mm -hmm. to see little things that other people did and that would help me do it better. And well, so I just kept doing that. And the stuff was very passionate, like you were very passionate about learning it. But it, it, it seems very interesting and also in different guests that I've spoken to and different leaders, there seems to be some kind of external event that leads to the kind of dramatic, not dramatic, well, sudden or transformational change, whether it was like you at being at law school or somebody had, like I spoke to Gay Hendricks, uh, the psychologist, and he was overweight and fell. And, you know, he was talking about how in that instant, he kind of just knew it was time to change and all these different things. And another one of my guests shared with me, you know, it's not the lack of information we have to make these changes, but the character traits. And with this, I'd like to transition really into the Jordan Harbinger show and how I really love the deliberate practice and approach you take in really creating practical steps. So how do you really, how have you helped really clients and people really break that down? You know, like you spoke with Kobe about. You know, I, I think part of the reason I'm able to break down things like dis dissembling or disassembling something that like Kobe Bryant says on the Jordan Harbinger show during an interview. You know, I get, I get knowledge from these people when I'm interviewing them, but instead of just taking what they say at face value, I try to relate it to something in my own life. And so being able to look at a concept or something that somebody's doing and then break it down into maybe component pieces, that is something that I gained over time, probably from coaching other people, honestly, if I have to, if I, if I have to really look at why and how, I, I'm used to reading between the lines, whether it's a legal argument or something that I'm dealing with with a coaching client. I don't even coach anymore, but yeah. when I do interviews for the Jordan Harbinger show, you know, I think back to my coaching clients and they say, well, you know, this, this, and this, I'm doing this, this, and this, and that's not working for me. And this, this other thing's not working for me. And this is, and I go, hmm, is that the real reason? What is the reason? What are the component pieces of the action you're taking? What are the things that you're doing that are making you successful? And what are the things that you're doing that are getting in your way? So when I do an interview for the Jordan Harbinger show, whether it's with Kobe Bryant or Howie Mandel or Chelsea Handler or a scientist or something like that, I can break down what they're saying into the component pieces, uh, usually about what it is that makes them successful at what they do. Uh, generally, I don't look to poke holes in my clients' or my uh, guests' performance but I can look at why they're good at what they're good at. And that has been really, I would say that that's done well for the listener because the listener can then understand the pieces, the component pieces of what's making somebody successful because a lot of successful, talented people can't explain what they do. So my job as the host of the Jordan Harbinger show is to kind of decode that for the listener and then give the listener something they can use. Cause you know, of how you Mandela, it's just like, keep trying and just go out there and be as funny as you can. Not great advice for comedy. I he didn't really give that advice, by the way. But, you know, keep at it. Never, never quit. That's really not good advice, you know, and I can sort of translate that into something else from somebody who's highly successful and take perspectives that I've gotten from all my guests and distill them and digest them a little bit and then deliver that to the listener. And that's why every episode of the Jordan Harbinger show has worksheets so that you can review what you learned from the guest. And that's, that turns out to be important if you hear something you really like yeah. from the guest, you know, you want to be able to get like a cheat sheet of notes. And so that's why we do that that way. And there's a lot of 
a lot of what we do is designed to teach the listener something at the end of the day. And, and yeah. that's so th the way, in a way, the show itself is really like still kind of a coaching session. When it comes to somebody wanting to um, make those improvements and actually do the action of, you know, printing out and filling out the worksheets um, and you, and you speak about finding what the most important piece is, how, how can one really figure that out? Because it, I mean, I'm sure it's usually like you've spoken about before, at least I've heard, you know, it's generally like a, a confidence or a, a belief system issue, but somebody that really wants to improve in a certain area of life, you know, give it may, whether it's health or podcasting or something, how to, how determining what that essential piece is and then creating the deliberate practice to, to, to get to a vision of how you want to be in that area. Sure. So it's all about consistency and little habits over time. Like a lot of people go, how do I, you know, visualize success or whatever. And I, I just, I don't really go down that road. You know, for me, it's, if you're trying to figure out how, to lose weight, which is a really sort of classic example. It's not something I would ever teach, of course, but um, it's something that a lot of people can identify with. I, you don't say like, here's 20 different things you can do, these big changes that you need to make, sweeping changes in your life. That only works for a small percentage of people. It's always about consistency. So when people say, how do I create a big network so that people can know who I am in my industry and I can become like a, a well-respected name, it's always about, the consistent habits you form every single day that get you closer to that. You don't have to disassemble the components of somebody else that's gotten there. That may or may not work for you. You, mm -hmm. can, crea you can craft a plan based on something that you know is going to work because you see other successful people using that, but you don't have to follow someone else's exact blueprint. So with networking, like in the six-minute networking course that I have, the, the free course that I run, there's a lot of drills in there that take just a few minutes per day and the reason that those are important is because I know that if I say, you have to talk to 100 people a day, no one's going to do that. But if I say you have to talk to four people a day via text and you can do it from your bed when you're taking a freaking nap or at the morning when you wake up, that's much easier and people can be more consistent with that day to day. And you can reap those sort of results that come as a cluster. They, they, they build up over time. They compound you know, you might not even see results in the first couple of days of the first week or two weeks, but after a few months or even a few weeks of doing it, people go, wow, I can't believe it. I've gotten a job offer. I've gotten other opportunities to, to do various things in my community, whatever it happens to be, yeah. you know, that, that's all about the consistency. Nothing I've done with the Jordan Harbinger show, even though people go, whoa, 6 million downloads a month. I can't believe it. All of that was started because we did a show 10, 14, yeah, 14 years ago now. 13 years ago now in a kitchen uh, and we just kept doing it, you know, and I just kept doing it. Even when my co-hosts quit, even when I moved, even when it didn't seem like it was doing anything, even when it didn't make any money, even when it didn't make sense, even when it sounded like crap, even when I couldn't get a guest, I just kept doing it, getting better at it piece by piece by piece until I gradually became a professional and started realizing what the hell I was actually doing and then started to get my sea legs. And that to me was the key. Now I'm maybe a late bloomer compared to a lot of folks. Um, and you know, that's fine. Cause it's, it's always about slow and steady wins the race. It's always tortoise in the hair. You know, for me, I know a lot of people that have a lot of talent that got a lot of success really early on. And a lot of them have plateaued and they're just not even doing anything 
different now. Or that success early on gave them a huge amount of confidence and then they plateaued shortly after that. And since their progress wasn't what they expected and as quickly as they expected, they eventually gave up. And so it, it can really be a, a blessing in disguise to be slow and hard won in terms of your victories yeah. in business and in pr- your personal life. What, what kept you to keep going with the podcasting? Like, what about it? You mentioned a little bit about it at the earlier when we were talking about the podcasting and how you figured out something or you, you realized there's something here. But uh, to continue going and not care about those vanity metrics, at least at that time. Yeah, there were no vanity metrics. I think that was part of the luxury. (laughs) There was early on, I guess there was some Twitter, but like nobody cared about it. Facebook was relatively new for most people. I had it in college because it it used to only be for people in a few colleges, University of Michigan being one. You had to have like a umich.edu address to even register for Facebook. And then there kind of wasn't a whole lot of other social media at the time. I think there was like Friendster or something like that or MySpace maybe back then, but I didn't care about it. I didn't even use it. And so to keep going with the podcast, there weren't podcast hosting services. Very, There were a few, but you could look at a graph of your results, but it wasn't, I didn't log in and go, whoa, 24 people downloaded it today. And yesterday, 32 people did. We're losing listeners. Like I never did that. I would check like once every three months, I'd check our server logs or something. And I'd go, oh, uh, 140,000 over the last six months. But it looks like a lot of these are broken downloads or they returned in error. Is that more than last time? I don't know. That was pretty much it. So it, there wasn't all these vanity metrics to get obsessed with. So there, were, there weren't a whole lot of distractions like there are now. Like now it's like uploaded a photo. Oh, it only got 35 likes, got deleted. You know, that wasn't how podcasting worked. You uploaded a file and you fit cross your fingers and hope for the best there. There wasn't a whole lot of, we certainly didn't, you know, we didn't have anybody that knew what they were doing. So I just focused on the conversations and the quality of the conversations uh, and getting used to the conversations as opposed to trying to figure out how to increase my reach. Like that didn't even occur to me until probably nine, 10 years into the business. And that I think was actually an advantage now people get freaked out when they don't get a million dollar Instagram, YouTube, whatever business the first year. And I'm thinking I didn't do much to even try to craft a business uh, in, in the media space for the first decade. You know, we had a coaching business and that did well. Uh, and it was spurred on by the media, but I wasn't thinking, oh, we, we've increased by 6% this quarter. You know, I wasn't paying any attention to that. That was partially a lost opportunity, but partially a blessing because Mm-hmm. I can imagine what it feels like to lose a bunch of listeners and get discouraged. And I see it all the time. And, and that's, that's a shame. You really, especially with a hobby, it's a great way. To, the best way to ruin a hobby is to turn it into your job. And, you know, so whenever people go, how do I monetize this? I'm like, don't, you know, you're going to ruin it. Interesting. Thanks. When it, when it comes there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. It looks like we froze. Yeah. Is it, is it so good on your end? Can you hear me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. When it comes to whether it's building a, a, a podcast and not worrying about something like that and creating that those mindset or becoming uh, better with networking or body language. And it can sometimes feel like that process of 
change because you've habitually been thinking or one has been habitually thinking and acting a certain way to then creating these new habits, it can feel kind of fake. So what principles would you suggest or, or highlight that are, are most important to constantly, consistently also remember and repeated, repeatedly remind oneself of, of? I think the key is always to try small things at once. You know, whenever you feel inauthentic, that, that may actually be a sign that you're just a little bit outside your comfort zone. But the only way you're really going to embarrass yourself, I would say, is by trying a ton of different things all at once. Like, look, if you try texting somebody from your, your phone, you know, using the six-minute networking stuff, you try texting somebody from your phone every day or doing the Connect Four drill from six-minute networking every day, you're not really going to have a problem. But if you, like, go and change the entire way you look and the entire way you talk and you're texting everybody every day and you're going out all the time and you're doing, you can make radical changes if you can stomach a little bit of rejection or a little bit of cognitive dissonance between who you feel like you are in your head and the experience other people are going to have of you. And that's fine. It all has to do with your tolerance. What you want to do is find a tolerance, an area of change or a degree of change where you feel slightly uncomfortable, but you can still go forward even if you feel a little bit uh, inauthentic. What you don't want to do is go out, feel so self-conscious or do something and feel so self-conscious that it's going to fail at any moment and you end up sabotaging yourself just to get it over with and get out of the pressure. So small things at a time, small changes at a time, whether it's in your business, your personal life, whatever it is, Small changes at a time over time. Consistency is always, always, always key. You know, again, I'm a late bloomer. It's not like one day I went, I'm going to be a professional radio host, you know, and do talk shows and interview amazing people. It was always, what am I interested in doing? Am I getting 1% better every week? You know, and, and if that's the answer, then and it's a slow progression, then fine. I'm fine with it. You know, 1% better every day, I guess, is a is a good metric to shoot for. It's, it's hard to quantify, but don't worry yeah. about it. The key is not to go, tomorrow I'm going to be a different person. And then you get smacked down by life and you go, eh, screw it, I knew this was a waste of time. And then you don't try again. That's what you want to avoid. Were there any um, quotes or you know, sayings or um, advice that you would r remind yourself, kind of like with the consistency that... Because in those, that growth and that change, you know, it's, it, might, it may start off, it's like just an uphill curve, but then, you know, right before another uphill curve, you have a little bit of a, a regression and you can, that's where a lot of people will quit, you know, just like when we're training, like with training dogs, you know, you teach a dog not to get on a couch, you know, he doesn't get on a couch, he doesn't get on a couch, he doesn't get on a couch. And just when you think, okay, he's not getting on the couch anymore, he gets on the couch and you yell at him and you give up. Well, I guess I don't understand the question. Do you want to rephrase that and clarify that for me a little yeah, bit? For, for those different times when it gets a little rough and you think you're, you've made the changes and then uh, you make, huh? Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know, I, I don't really have a whole lot of like, quotes or motivational stuff that I look at. Um, I guess maybe I'm unique or I, I don't know if I'm unique in that. I guess I never really relied on that stuff. I just always realized that no matter how much you try to do something right the first time, it's not going to happen. So I don't really need like a, 
clever, pithy reminder yeah. of that. I just know that if I keep consistently working and building brick by brick, that I'm going to be fine. You know, I, I know that there's a lot of cool like Instagram memes and quotes and stuff, but that was never really my thing. You know, I think my, my parents, as I'm sure yours did as well, instilled in, in me a, a pretty good work ethic. And I never had the expectation that I would even do things right and succeed the first time. It was always, 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 you're going to, you're going to run into obstacles and you need to surmount those obstacles. I mean, that is literally just life, especially uh, business and life. So there's nothing, I didn't really need a sort of like an index card or a poster on my wall that says like fortune favors the bold. It's like, well, okay, cool. It's just getting back up again and trying again. It's, it's never, it's really not that deep. Um, It's, eventually people succeed at whatever it is that they really, really want to do, unless you're doing something that involves an extraordinary amount of luck. And even then, as long as you're increasing your surface area for luck through, for luck, through consistent habits every single day, you're going to eventually strike some luck. And then you're going to find that whatever you do or whatever it is you want to do, as long as it's somewhat realistic, is going to be successful. Like I, I've had success beyond what I ever could have expected Plenty of that is luck, but most of it is, or at least, at least I'd like to think most of it is consistency. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome, man. I hope this was helpful yeah. uh, for you and for your audience. Yeah, it's, uh, we're running a little past, and I definitely want to be respectful of your time. Uh, there's one last question, if I may sure. ask. But, definitely. Okay. To conclude, really, and you have a great influence in networking, and that's what you were very well known for and the best way to really learn most about it like i've done once and gonna do again is your six minute networking but can you share a few um really final tips on creating you know authentic real relationships even the ones that you that start off um in on the internet meeting with other other sure. people sure i think a lot of people think networking is about some sort of like secret club. You're born into it or you get lucky with who you go to school with. And it's not you, when you dig the well before you're thirsty and you're consistently reaching out to other people and, and helping them in a way that's scalable for you, you know, it's, it's all about creating relationships before you need them, doing it at, at the broken record here, but consistently over time, that's the kind of thing that ne- that yields benefits over time and pretty quickly for that matter. If you, if you actually look at somebody who's well-connected, you can catch up or be as well-connected as them, even if you think you can. It's all about keeping your foot on the gas and consistently reaching out to other people. Another thing that I would recommend is instead of ABC, always be closing and looking for what's in it for you, ABG, always be generous or always be giving and look how you can help other people. It doesn't mean if you're a graphic designer, you got to make free graphics for everybody uh, who wants them. What it means is use your existing network and connections to introduce people you meet to other people that can help them. And the way that you do that is, look, if I know a business owner that says, yeah, you know, I've got all these uh, things wrong with my website. This is broken. That's broken. Instead of saying, oh, you better fix your website or you better hire someone to do that. I might say, I actually know a pretty tech savvy kid, or I actually know a web designer that's really good and is able to work on a budget, would you like an introduction? And then you do the double opt-in introduction, which is in the course, we don't have time for it here, but you make that introduction in a skillful way. And those two people, quote unquote, owe you one. They don't actually owe you one and you wouldn't keep score for various reasons, of course, 
but you continually do this in a way that's scalable. All you're doing is introducing people to one another. And that's what makes this scalable and doable for people that don't have any money, that don't quote unquote know anyone important. These are introductions that don't cost you anything. They don't take up a ton of time. And you do this over and over and over again. And you build social capital or referral currency. And let's say if you do that once a week, that's 52 introductions a year. That's 104, theoretically, people that are happy with what you've done and that have a favorable opinion of you. That's how you build a reputation. Uh, that's how you build a name for yourself over time. And that's how you get a reputation as somebody who is helpful and a giver and not a taker. And I think that at scale makes for extremely successful people, both in their business and personal lives. Awesome. It's, um, it's definitely very helpful advice. I think with with somebody that had perhaps a an ingrained perhaps conditioning that you know people you know you have to get what you have to kind of take or what can this person do for me does it take perhaps longer how do you really how does one really learn to you know trust that you know in fact actually abg being more generous mm -hmm. and helping others actually helps oneself more so than it does, yeah. than, than going towards you know, what can I get from this person? But, it, but it, it also takes some time to really, you know, emotionally believe that. Definitely. Yeah. That's why, that's why when people go like, oh, you need to meet a hundred people and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, 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 you're not going to, you need to get your own self. You need to get yourself kind of enrolled mentally in this idea. That's why I say do one, two, three, whatever a day, re-engage people in, in your network, you know, scroll to the bottom of your phone texts and re-engage those people down at the bottom uh, make those introductions once a week. Don't, don't pressure yourself to make three a day or whatever people are saying out there. Those slow, as you do this slowly, it doesn't cost you any time. Really, it's so fast. It's minutes per day. And then as those opportunities start to come back to you, you go, oh, you know, this is working. Interesting. Well, what happens if I do two a week and I do two introductions and I do four contacts a day? You start to scale things up because then you see the results coming in. If you devote too much to it, it'd be like going to the gym and someone's like, hey man, you should go to the gym. You know, you can get in shape. So you go to the gym and you go there for 10 hours and you come and the next day you can't even move. You have to go straight to the bathtub. And for five days after that, you're so sore. You hate everything. You can't do anything. You can't even move. You can't stand, you can't walk. You know, it's just awful. You're never going to the gym again. But if you go to the gym and you do bench press and then your friend goes, that's enough, man. It's your first day here. Keep it light. We're going to do some push-ups. We're going to do some bicep curls. Let's get out of here. You know, we'll go get a, a beer after this. You do it again the next day, but you do your legs. You do it again three days later. You know, then you go, oh, okay, I'm a little sore, but I, you know, I feel good. And additionally, I'm a little stronger the week after. And this is fun. And I don't feel like I hate it. That's how you do it. That's how you build this consistency. Nobody would go to the gym. Well, a few people would go to the gym for 10 hours. But people think when they start a new business or a new habit that they've got to do that turn it up to 11. And then when it doesn't work right away, they go, ah, this is a big waste of time. I knew it. You know, damn all those influencers online who told me about this. So small bites at a time. That's how you eat this elephant and consistency over time. Don't try and cram three weeks or four weeks or 10 weeks of networking introductions and don't try to cram it into a Saturday afternoon or you're going to hate yourself. You're going to hate the process and you're certainly going to hate the results or lack thereof. Awesome. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me and share, yeah, man. share all that you've learned and continue listening to your show. Thank you so much. Thank and you, man. 
how can people continue to listen to you and follow you? Sure. So I'm Jordan Harbinger of the Jordan Harbinger Show. It's a podcast, one of the most popular podcasts in uh, Apple or Spotify. And I'd love to hear what your listeners slash viewers think of the Jordan Harbinger Show, whether it's a Kobe Bryant interview or an interview with the neuroscientist. You know, I've got a lot of interesting folks in there and I'd love to hear what everybody thinks. And I'm at Jordan Harbinger on Twitter, Instagram, uh, and all the other, and I'm on LinkedIn. People add me there all the time and I am, uh, I'm totally cool with that too. I'll do it. I'll add you there. Cool. I love Thanks, that Solomon. episode with Frank Abagnale. That was a good He's one. He's awesome. What a great guy. The inspiration for Baby Catch movie. Me If You Can. Baby He's movie. just so interesting. I wish, I wish I knew more storytellers like that. I'll tell you that. All right, man. Thank Solomon, you. Solomon, thank you so much, man. Take care. Yeah. Bye. Here are a few practical applications from today's episode. Number one, sign up for Jordan's free six-minute networking course on his website, jordanharbinger.com. It's free. Number two, journal on what you really enjoy doing and research of people who have achieved the same definition of success that you aspire to achieve. Look at how they think, what habits do they have, and what do they, what did they do to get where they are today? Number three, help a friend or a stranger today simply to help them, as Jordan suggests, digging a well before you're thirsty, and expect nothing in return. It can be on Facebook allowing someone to go in front of you at the grocery store, socially distance, of course, or any way, just really be in a space where you're ready to help another because you don't know how it may show up today. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening. I hope this episode brought you some really great value. If you enjoyed any of these episodes or would like to hear more, please leave me a review on Apple or Anchor Podcast. I'm always looking out for topics to learn and talk about, gifts to share, and value to bring to us all. For more updates, please check out solomonezra.wixsite.com slash solomonezra. That's S-O-L-O-M-O-N-E-Z-R-A. That's where you can also sign up for newsletters, read about blogs, and hear my different podcasts. Take care.